training the complete athlete, gaining the performance edge with Coach Koss. To find out more, go to trainthecompleteathlete.com. I'd like to welcome Caroline Inglis uh, today. She is a member of the LPGA, and she's been kind of hanging out, waiting for things to clear up so she can get back on uh, the course. And she actually was a member um, of the University of Oregon Duck program, and she was actually the very first uh, Oregon Duck to be the Golfer of the Year, and that happened in 2014 and 15, and you also won the Pac-12 championship that same year. So overall, 2015 was a big year for you because uh, that is when – um, you were also on first team, but then your senior year, you led the team to a fifth place finish at nationals, which was the best finish that the Ducks had, had been at, correct? Yep. Um, and then you made your rookie debut in 2017 on the LPGA, uh, and you were invited to try out for the Curtis Cup, which to be honest, I know nothing about the Curtis Cup, <laughs> so you could probably enlighten us, um, but only 12 people, amateurs, were invited to the Curtis Cup in 2015. Yeah. So we're excited to talk to you. As I say, I've played a team, team sports all my life, and I'm fascinated by individual sports. That's what I always joke that most of my friends are golfers um, because for me, it's easy to, to think about relying on my teammates and, and knowing that there's somebody always next to me uh, to pick me up. And in golf, it's not as much the same case. So I'm extremely excited to talk to you about what the difference is, is between individual sports and hear about your experience on the LPGA and, and how you deal with some of these things. So thank you so much for coming. We're really excited to chat today. Thanks for having me. So, um, being on this hiatus, it probably gives you a lot of time to just kind of look at your, the mental side of your game. I know golf courses have been open, so you've been on the course mm -hmm. a lot, but are not able to compete mm -hmm. at this point in time. So, um, you know, what, what are some of the things that you've been using in this downtime to kind of focus on improving your game when you're not competing all the time? Yeah, I think I've, it's been tough to stay focused and make my practice intentional when I don't know when I'm going to start back up again. Um, but I've been working with my sports psych still during this time. Um, and just reading books. Um, I'm reading a book by Bob Rotella, how champions think, but also just visualization and meditation with golf shots has mm -hmm. helped a lot. Um, and then in terms of staying sharp mentally, I think, practicing putting yourself in pressure situations is super helpful um so like i've just been playing money games with friends that i you know whenever i can or um when i when there are tournament opportunities to play in so you mentioned mentioned visualization mm -hmm. which i know visualization has been a part part of the the sports psychology world for a long time but i think it also has evolved and changed yeah. um especially in the last couple of years so when you're working on visualization what does that look like for you yeah, so it's really using, for me, using all five senses and putting yourself in that situation. I usually do it, like, before bed, um, where I can, you know, be in a quiet place and calm down and close my eyes. And I visualize what, it for, for me, I like to do it in pressure situations. So, like, the first T, when I get nervous, visualize um, what it feels like, what it smells like, you know, like the fresh cut grass. What do I hear? I hear the people clapping. Um, and then when I get in that situation in real time, I'm going to be able to, I'm, one, I'm more familiar with it and I'm going to be able to put those nerves aside and be familiar with it and be able to perform during that time. Well, and that's the crucial piece of it is that that five senses, because one of the things that we talk about in um, the counseling world and working with athletes is staying present. And mm -hmm. the five senses are so vital for that because you really can't go into the past or yeah. into the future um, 
with your senses, as I would say, I wish I could taste a meal that I've had in yeah. the past, which would be fabulous. But uh, um, I can't like emphasize the the need to really focus on senses enough. And as yeah. I say, and that's part of that visualization. Also, your brain doesn't know the difference between mental training and physical training. And I'm guessing when you're doing visualization, you don't blow a six foot putt in your brain, correct? Correct. Yeah. So your body, <laughs> so your brain is being trained to this is how it goes and it's successful yeah. all the time. Exactly. Correct. Yep. And so that's one of the things of that positive self-talk. It's maybe that's a great thing, but you can also rely on your positive visualization of success right. as well. Definitely. Okay. So one of the things that they talk about is like the long walk between holes. You know, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the game of baseball, they'll talk about pitchers sitting in the dugout forever and how much they focus on their performance. But I was thinking of golfers having the most time to think <laughs> yeah. about their performance. So yeah. talk to me about what, what goes on in your head or what your best practices are for in between those those yeah. long walks. Yeah, so golf is weird because it's a five-hour round, but you're only hitting golf shots for something, I think it's like 22 minutes of that. So the rest of the time, you don't need to focus. So I try to let my brain go and just relax, like walk freely, look up at the trees, sing a song. I talk to my caddy a lot or talk to my playing competitors and, you know, just shoot the breeze and um, keep myself calm, breathe enjoy the beautiful courses that we get to play. And then once I get to my shot, I make sure, okay, it's time to re-engage and go through my pre-shot routine and focus up. And then as soon as that shot is over, I do the same thing, walk it, walk to the green, you know, forget about it. So um, yeah, it's really using that time to kind of give your mind a break and just relax so that you can refocus when you do have to hit another shot. So it's kind of that mentality of check in when you need to be and then check out to rest, you know, even mentally in between holes. Right. So what happens if you have maybe made not the best shot of your career or if you struggle with your playing partner? Maybe there's a rivalry or they're just not chatty. Like, how do you handle after something maybe negative has happened going into the next hole? Is it the same practice or is there something else that maybe people can pull off of? Like a distraction, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, golf, there's so many distractions you can have in golf. Like you said, a playing competitor. I've played with women who aren't the nicest people <laughs> to play with, or maybe they're really slow. Um, so it's really just tuning into your game, almost putting blinders on. I always say that I'm just going to put my blinders on and not worry about anyone else's game and what they're doing. Um, and with distractions, it's, I always think what it comes down to, what can you control? So I ask myself, what can I control right now? I can't control that my caddy just gave me the wrong number. I can't control that the girl in my group is taking a minute to read her putt. I can only control my attitude, my effort, my preparation uh, during the shot. So focusing on anything else in that is a complete waste of time. And I just try to remind myself that. When you talked about preparation Mm -hmm. and preparation is is so key Mm -hmm. because, I mean, you hit so many shots every single week yeah. and set yourself up to uh, be able to make the routine shot or mm-hmm. even the difficult shot yeah. when you are competing. So when you are sitting at an eight, uh, eight foot putt, something you've probably done a million times, mm-hmm. what is your mentality going into something of, of that nature? Yeah. So I, I draw back on my practice. The reason I practice is so that when I get into a competition, it's going to feel easy. Like you want your practice to be hard and challenging so that when you get on the course, you know, you've done it a million times you know exactly what to do so for example like you said eight foot putt if I have an eight foot putt um, whether it's just the first round of a regular golf tournament or whether it's to win a major in my mind I'm telling myself this is an eight foot putt 
I'm focusing on the facts of it versus the situational aspect of it. So I'm focusing on, okay, it breaks right to left. It breaks about a foot and it's downhill. And focusing on those things that you know and that are true are going to help you make the putt versus I'm nervous. I'm a, I have to make this to win the major. I have to make this to, you know, to make the cut. Um, I, you know, focusing on things that aren't fact and true are not going to help. And then, like I said, just relying on preparation. Like I always tell myself I've made a fa- I've made thousands of eight foot putts in my practice. So this one is no different. Well, I think that's a good way to kind of focus on the confidence that you built mm-hmm. through doing these things over and over. It's, right. you know, when a basketball uh, player is sitting at the free throw line, I've done this a thousand times. This is no different than the other thousand that I've done. Right. It just happens to be in, a, in an arena. Exactly. Right. You know, for you, it's like there just happens to be thousand people, you know, watching <laughs> me why I do the safe foot putt. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what has been the biggest challenge for you being in an individual sport? Yeah, I mean, it's. It's different going from college where I had a team and I had my teammates to um, rely upon um, and then turning professional. So it's definitely an adjustment. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is I always tell people when they're contemplating turning professional or playing golf is, do you really love this sport and are you passionate about it? Because if you're not, you're you're not going to succeed because it takes it's it's just you out there. It takes all of your um your effort and your passion and you have to keep yourself accountable. So for me, I'm the only one that's going to keep myself accountable. So every day, you know, you, I got to go out there, practice, get myself to the course, play well. And when I play bad, it's on me. And when I play good, it's on me. So definitely just accountability and making sure that I'm um, creating goals for myself and working hard and not getting complacent. So that's true. Like there's no external motivation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, at least as far as people, mm-hmm. I mean, winning finances, right. you know, all those things are motivations, but you don't have the person next to you saying, Hey, we got one more lap. Let's go. Right. 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 So where do you find that individual motivation to go out and say, I got to play in the rain today, or I don't feel great, but I'm still going to go train. Where does that motivation come from? Yeah. For me, I just, like I was talking about passion and um, really enjoying it. I lo- I just love golf and I love the competitive aspect. Like for me, there's nothing better than, you know, being in the lead of a golf tournament and having those competitive juices flowing. So I draw on that. Um, I love just putting myself in those positions. So, you know, if it's raining, I just look at it as an opportunity to, um, you know, like if it's a bad, bad weather or something, I tell myself, okay, well, everyone else out there is going to be, whining about the rain and this is an opportunity to, for me to have a leg up on the competition. So maybe playing the Pacific Northwest is an advantage because you play yeah, in the rain on a routine basis. So. I think so. Yeah. Do you think athletes avoid the challenge, putting themselves in challenging positions when they train? I think some do for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you want to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations, you definitely should train in uncomfortable ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, give yourself, um, situations that might that you might see when you're in a competition I mean that just seems like the smartest way to train I don't know why you wouldn't but I think a lot of athletes aren't comfortable with things that they haven't done before so they avoid it so give me an example uh maybe either in college or on the tour when you're sitting here going oh my gosh this is the worst situation whether it be weather whether it be I only got three hours sleep because our plane was late that Mm -hmm. you're thinking oh my gosh I I'm glad that I did this crazy training to be ready or maybe the opposite of thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm super not ready for this. 
Um, I think I remember actually my coach in college, she made us play one round um, where if we hit the green, we had no matter what, we had to take the ball off the green, like a 20 yards or something. And that was our score for the day. Like no matter how good you're playing, you you're you physically you can't hit the green. So you would hit your shot and then you would have to take it off the green. And it was a qualifying for a tournament. And I remember, you know, teammates and even myself were so upset because it's like, this isn't fair. How are we qualifying like this? Um, so I think that's one extreme of, you know, crazy practice. Or when I played in my first British Open is another one that rings a bell because it was, you know, that type of what. You it's go to the it's never Open, great. You never expect it to be good, but it was horrible i mean just raining and cats and dogs and the wind was like 40 miles an hour um so yeah i think that's another aspect of when i was glad to be experienced in the rain or in crazy conditions growing up in the in the oregon mm -hmm. that's why i always say to a lot of my athletes when we go play in the south uh when it rains it's totally to our advantage yeah right for sure. i mean i know that we actually won a game to get to the world series in the rain in oklahoma we were ready for the rain they were not ready for yeah. the rain and so i definitely could see the benefit of playing in those disadvantages so in that situation that's a great thing when you're sitting there looking at your teammates going we're qualifying qualifying off this yeah. how is that even possible this is not real how do you change your mentality when it comes to that situation that you're like okay this you know coach is changing it up today so what do i do with that yeah so for me um when I, you know, face adversity or hit a bad shot or something is not going my way, uh, me and my sports psych have, uh, we talk about this uh, acronym called WIN, and it stands for what's important now. And especially in golf, I think it's super important to stay present and um, not let the surrounding factors kind of get in your way or get in your head. Uh, so for me, when I'm, you know, say it's raining or and I'm, you know, starting to get upset about the rain, I have to kind of go inward and think, okay, what's important now? What are the, f what are the facts? What can help, what's going to help me, you know, hit my shot the best. So I think, all right, complaining about the rain is not going to help. So what's important now is getting this drive in the fairway and kind of coming back to that and staying present and thinking the only thing that I can do now is hit my best is, you know, hit my best, give my best effort over this shot right now is super important for me. So same thing when I hit a bad shot, you know, like I miss the green and I hit a, I make a double bogey. I walk to the next scene. I'm like, that doesn't matter. What's important now is the next shot at hand. And that's one of the things that we see in athletics, especially in youth sports. It's the making things that are out of their control just really impact their game, whether yeah. it be officials, whether it be, you know, getting late to a facility, whether it be it's so hot or whether their parents didn't bring in the right Gatorade, like all these yeah. little things that get in the way of performance that when it really comes down to it, those aren't the important things, right? right. You have to kind of push those aside and focus on the whatever uh, task is right in front of you, correct? Absolutely. So if you were working with young golfers uh -huh. and you were training them to start developing their mental game for golf, yeah. what would be some of the best things that you would say, these are skills that I learned and this is how I learned them, maybe in a way that a younger person could take in? I would say get out there and play a lot of golf in competition. Compete. Let yourself become comfortable in uncomfortable situations as well as a big thing. Like when you're practicing and playing and you go in a divot, don't take it out of the divot. Like hit it out of the divot. Or, you know, you you have a crazy lie and you think, oh, I'm never going to have this in a tournament. Like, just hit it out of there. 
Um, really put yourself in uncomfortable situations because when you, you know, you get on the course, you're going to feel that much more comfortable when it's just a basic lie in the fairway. Um, and I would say just, you know, for golfers, get with a swing instructor that you like, that you get along with, but that you have fun with the most and work with them and trust them and um, really be intentional with your practices and create practice, you know, little practice plans for yourself and keep yourself accountable because in the end, like that's that's all you really have in the end your parents can tell you to go practice but if you don't want to and if you don't hold yourself accountable it's not going to mean anything so as you've gone up the ranks i mean you started as a as a young kid playing golf and now you're at the the highest level there is for golf how have you handled the pressure or the expectations and lots of times self expectations are yeah. the most significant and when you are an individual uh, athlete those are probably even bigger. So yeah. how have you handled as you've gone up the ranks uh, to higher levels of, levels of golf dealing with those things? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, there's definitely pressure um, because it's I'm playing golf, but I'm also, you know, playing to pay my mortgage and to put food on me and my husband's table. So it's hard. But I think I try to um, not think about those things at all when I'm golfing, because, like I said, focusing on external factors are not going to help me play better at all. So when I'm on the golf course, uh, no matter what the situation is, I'm not thinking of pressure or I'm not thinking of making the cut. I'm focusing on the shot at hand and focusing on the facts and uh, the shot that I'm hitting at the moment. So kind of, like I said, blinders on and not thinking about those types of things when I'm competing have really helped me to learn to deal with pressure. So, you know, as I say, the pressure in, in high-level athletics is one of the main topics that I hear from coaches is the expectations, the pressure. And what you're pretty much saying is, is you can, can keep the same perspective from when you're a young golfer mm -hmm. to when you're a professional athlete, Oh, absolutely. because it all falls into the spectrum of how did I train? How mm -hmm. did I prepare? And how am I staying focused now? Right. So, and that's, I think a, a huge lesson for people, um, for athletes to understand because they do put themselves under this high level of pressure and so many outside factors are contributing to that. Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, as, as kids step up, it is good for them to rely on all the training before instead of all the things that are, as I say, are pounding in their mind of if they could fail. Right. Right. So leading into failure, how, as an individual athlete, do you recover from failure? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I've had like so many rounds where I've played horrible and I feel like a complete fail failure. Like my first U.S. Women's Open, I shot the, I think the second day, I shot 80 and missed the cut. Um, I've had my share of failures for sure, but I think failure and what you do after that is what makes you into the athlete that you want to become. It's going back to the drawing board and asking yourself, okay, what did I do not so well? What can I learn from that? And how am I going to get better? And the how is coming up with a plan, a practice plan, whether it be, you know, I need to work improve my driving or I need to work with a sports psychologist, but your failures are what makes you better because you can learn from it. It's almost like treating your failures as feedback instead of letting it get you down and being disappointed. I mean, you look at the greatest athletes in the world, like Michael Jordan, he wasn't, he wasn't very good when he was in high school. I'm pretty sure he got cut from the high school he did team. He did get cut from his so, high school team. you know, if you just look at that, uh, Use your failures as motivation and feedback to get better. Well, the one thing I do love about 
golf, not the only thing, but one of the things I love about golf is, is you do have to take personal ownership because you can't point the finger and yeah. say, well, if somebody would have done better and in team sports, lots of times people will point the finger and say, well, if my pitcher would have done this or if my quarterback mm-hmm. would have done this and at golf, you have to take an honest look up. What did I do right. to impact my game? Yes. And so with team sports, not so much. Right. It's very humbling in that way. It's all on you. <laughs> Which is say must be a lot, but almost kind of refreshing because you also on the flip side have control of it. Uh, yeah, that's the part I love. It's it's all it's all on me. I I don't have to rely on anyone mm-hmm. else. Yes, there's probably several days that uh, team athletes probably go, just give me the ball and I'll take care exactly, of it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, and it, as I say, all of my golfing friends kind of have the same messaging of, I like that I, it, it all falls on me and yeah. I can just, can, I can deal with that. Yeah. I say, pitchers are kind of a lot like that. Just give me the ball and I'll take yeah. care of this, correct? Yeah. And so, but it is, it is that different mentality of, I'm going to do this on my own, but I'm going to take self-ownership. And I think that'd be great to be able to impact team sports of saying, what is my role in our team's performance instead right. of it's somebody else's. So I think that can be very powerful for young athletes as well to take Mm -hmm. a look at and say what is your role in impacting the performance as a group but as an individual sport track athlete swimmer diver you know gymnastics golf how does my performance you know how does my stuff really impact my performance definitely yeah well Caroline, I really appreciate this. As I say, there's so much to learn in the world of sports especially having that individual mindset taking ownership of your own performance and being able to battle the mental game, even when you are not training. I know that's been a really big struggle for, for athletes right now when they feel hopeless or helpless when they can't get to a gym, they can't get in uh, onto a field, but it is really important to go through that mental game, work on focus and do the training to be as prepared as whenever you step out to perform. So I greatly, greatly appreciate your insight and your time and we wish you good luck. Um, hopefully jumping back on the tour at the end of the summer, um, and getting back to be able to participate and, uh, enjoy the sun and being on some beautiful courses. So we, we, we wish you good luck. 